we're loading up now. If you spare with me just for a few more seconds. Very excited about this episode. It's grinding slow today. There we go. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chat Channel. My name is Tim Hayden, and I'll be your host. We have a great show for you today. Our guest is the multi-talented Michael Berryman. Michael is an actor, producer, and author, best known for his iconic roles in horror films. He has appeared in such films as Weird Science, Star Trek IV, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Spy Hard, The Devil's Rejects, and many more. He's probably best known for his role as Pluto in Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes, the original. Please welcome Michael to the show. And feel free to ask questions, interact with us as we go along, and I will uh, ask the questions as I can. In the fridge. Thank you. Hello, no, I, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty well. I uh, woke up and uh, I discovered I have a pulse. Oh, well, that's always good. It's a good start. It sure is. Um, well, I want to start off by letting everyone know that you were born with hypohydrotic ectodermal dysplasia, which is one of more than 100 types of ectodermal dysplasia. Starting before birth, these disorders result in abnormal development in ectodermal tissue, particularly the skin, hair, nails, teeth, and sweat glands. Did I cover that right, sir? You guys absolutely correct, sir. I just want everybody to be aware, you know, what we're talking, because we'll be talking about that off and on throughout the show. Uh, I'm going to start out a little different than I normally do. I really, really want to talk about your book. You, you just authored a book and put it out in January. It's called It's All Good, a Michael Berman memoir in my own words. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yes, there it is. Perfect, perfect. That's my father, me, and my sister. It's a, my memoir. I wrote it all myself. It's uh, available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Kindle download, and very soon I'm going to do a uh, audio version. So, um, awesome. um, it's time. Uh, it's it's a very good read, and I I appreciate uh, any help that your viewers could. Uh, if you enjoy it, please uh, share and let a friend know. Absolutely. But I'm I'm curious about uh, the organization you work with. Um, um, when it's time, could you tell me a little bit about that situation? Yes, sir. I, I co-started co, uh, a foundation called the Necrotizing Fasciitis Foundation. For people who don't know who Necrotizing Fasciitis is, it is also known as the flesh-eating bacteria in the news. It's a uh, bacteria that it's spreads so rapidly that you, you know, you have hours or days to get diagnosed and treated. 
before it starts affecting your organs or you lose a limb or worse, you could die. And the biggest main reason people, uh, there's such a high mortality rate is misdiagnosis. Uh, I am a survivor of it. I had it back in 2006. Uh, I just felt like I had the flu. I mean, I just felt horrible. That was it. I mean, nothing hurt specifically. But when I got to the hospital, even the ER doc didn't recognize it. And he was going to send me for testing. Luckily, there was an infectious disease doctor on who saw it and had de dealt with it before. And he said, oh, no, take him right to the OR. We need to start debriding that right now. I know what that is. So they caught mine really early. And trying to research it, trying to find out aftercare and things like that, there was nothing that, you know, the doctors could only say, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. And they're basically basing it on burns because that's how they kind of put you in the burn unit, basically, when you have it. And so I started on, uh, me and someone else started a uh, support group online, international support group to where you can get your best information from people who survived, who've gone through it. Um, and yeah, right, raising awareness is the main, our main goal. And I think one of our doctors who sees more NF than anybody else, she came on a, about a year ago and said that since the foundation has started, now I'm not taking credit just for the foundation, but since the foundation started six years ago, mortality rates dropped 5% already. So that's wonderful. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real wake up call when you're in a, uh, in a club with a uh, small roster. <laughs> yes, it is. It, I, I, yours is even smaller than mine. I mean, I thought mine was small. But. <laughs> um, uh, now, um, that's fascinating. My, um, uh, in my memoir, I mentioned a lot about uh, the medical issues and how they came about. Um, just to keep it short, my father uh, was a very renowned neurologist, brain surgeon. He was Muhammad Ali's uh, neurologist. In the memoir, really? I talk about how, yes, sir. Um, He's from he, here. He, he <laughs> Uh, well, he was from Santa Monica, California. He graduated from USC School of Medicine. My mother, a nurse, UCLA. They met, fell in love, and started a family. Now, um, my father also which measures the midline of the brain. I remember when he uh, ordered a uh, oscilloscope from Texas Instruments. It was the most sensitive on the planet, and on, on the screen, he would send a, a, a chart. Well. He could, he could find echolocation of the uh, central areas of the brain to see if they have moved away from the midline, which uh, was early way of diagnosing uh, tumors, for instance. He taught a lot of postgraduate uh, work for surgeons at our home. And uh, as a young boy, teenager, I would write, bring my friends over and we would look at the jars of various, uh, we had slabs of brain with holes from, uh, to teach stuff. So as a kid, I went, wow. Well, being a medical background, uh, the um, the best approach when you have syndromes, as they're called, is uh, honesty. You need honest information. If, if you know, if you know, if you know it's right, that's great. If it's conjecture or we're guessing, please let the patient know. There are always alternatives. Now, um, my my father went to Nagasaki and Hiroshima. He was a marine. Sur surgeon and neurologist, and then he, uh, the Navy brought him to an island 
called Japan, and he went to Nagasaki and Hiroshima after the bombs and um, did some research there. I've got photographs, which I do not share, of uh, vaporized human shadows on walls. Um, a big advocate of take care of our people, take care of everybody. Everyone should be able to go to sleep and not have to sleep with one eye open. Um, uh, I'll just kind of put it in a nutshell. I'm not a big fan of uh, aggression or war, but uh, uh, at all, um, I could I could talk. I was through my life. I've had different uh, situations. Uh, one, two years working as a guard at Bob Dylan's house, who happened to write a wonderful war called Masters of War, which uh, I shared a conversation with him about my gratitude toward that. Um, so when, when I was born preemie, uh, the ends of my fingers and toes, like I said, are underdeveloped. My, I, I can't sweat. My, my dermis, my skin is unique. Uh, I've seen lots and lots of doctors had many, many, many procedures. Now, um, when I had my skull reconstructed, as I mentioned in the memoir, um, it really puts the reader inside the mind and body of this young boy, and, and the journey takes off from there. But during that uh, time uh, when I, I was young, my father would um, do things which helped me uh, uh, cope. Of course, you get teased in high school, whatever your gimp is, it's going to be an issue, and you got to learn to get through it. You have to learn how to appreciate your strengths and, and, and secure that uh, uh, loving support from uh, family, friends, and other significant others, so to speak. Um, you know, don't digest everything on the news. Be aware, of course, but you have to laugh once in a while. Uh, and then right. I, I had a friend uh, that I mentioned in, in, the, in the book, uh, Billy, who had polio and he had braces. His body was very clanky. He walked very clanky and um, it's just, yeah, it was, it was a different kind of challenge. So my father would take me on house calls and, and also visits at various hospitals. And I would see people with different situations. He would explain what they were dealing with. We could see somebody walking on the street, a little herky-jerky or whatever, and he would diagnose them. He said, this is what's not working in their neuro neurological system, et cetera, et cetera. So over the, over the last 70 years, uh, I've worked with people like uh, Dr. Paul Wharton out of the University of Florida for the uh, facial cranial uh, anomalies. Uh, uh, organization uh, which is uh, benefited by uh, the Bogey Creek Gang, which is uh, my friend Paul Newman, who I met when I did The Crow, uh, General Schwarzkopf, and Arnold Palmer. And uh, Paul's food products, for instance, it all goes to um, uh, help families that have children in need of facial or cranial reconstruction. And it's all paid for. They even have people homes. Uh, I'll sit for them, take care of their animals if they have a farm or ranch, so the whole family can be with the children when they're seeing the specialist. Um, and they also have a, uh, a camp uh, in California, and I'm sure we should build some since then. That being right. said, I'm, I was very blessed to have a, a family that uh, understood my condition. Um, and some, you just have to do the best you can when the weather's hot. I had to be very, very careful. Uh, I had an infection situations, abscesses, uh, um, 
under my arms. Thank God, it uh, could have been elsewhere. <laughs> and right. we tried many, many different things from antibiotics to, I even had one doctor recommend that I spend time in a hyperbolic chamber. I, I, I'm a certified uh, scuba diver uh, for sport, I'm not professional, but I studied. And, and so he was thinking uh, of uh, uh, a high oxygen environment uh, you have to be monitored because too much O2 is not good, but not having enough uh, could be an issue as far as uh, staph infections, et cetera, et cetera. Now, your situation, sound, uh, I've traveled to uh, many countries and sounds like uh, disease. Is that true? Um, I'm not sure, but I do know what you were saying about uh, what you said about uh, not strep. You said something that you had just now. Um, Staph, I'm sorry, staph, my brain's not Staph can lead into necrotizing fasciitis. Staph, MRSA, uh, and you were talking about the hyperbaric chamber. When I was being treated after they were, did the debridement of my arm, which is where mine was, they took me and put me, because back in 2006, there wasn't a lot of information about NF. There's still not, but so they were like, well, strep doesn't like oxygen, so we're going to put you in the oxygen chamber, which unfortunately, you know, I'm not a diver. I've never been in any situation that so it ended up busting one of my eardrums but it did well, it, right uh, it might have to give you some uh advent. uh i don't i don't like doing mris i like the open versions um but it's good that you have people that are are thinking about uh debris must be very painful uh, i know kane hotter very well i've worked with uh, yes. other people in, in burn units um the areas under my arms i probably have had major surgery four times and literally hundreds of hundreds of uh, abscesses and scar tissue removed uh, where infections would get encapsulated inside scar tissue. Right. Lots, lots of fun. Um, but it, it's just it, the pain a lot of times um, needs to be listened to by experts. I had one doctor that was working um, on an area because my regular cutter, I call him was out of town and he had a way of um, numbing it. it to, and we were such a team, for instance, this is a little pathological in a medical sense where he would take the needle and, and, and keep the bubble of painkiller just ahead of the tip, draw back, juice it up and go forward. There's a way to do it. Uh, and, and it helped a lot because when they're in there carving away, there could be a spot that didn't get the juice and Oh, yeah, baby, that'll hurt. Well, I remember this one doctor um, I went to see who was uh, uh, covering for uh, 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 my, my regular doctor. And he, he said, oh, well, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll just go for it. He even went for it. I said, ow, 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 you're really hurting me. Here's the way to do it. And, and first he was offended. You're telling me how to proceed. And then he realized, oh, okay, that, that's a better way for you. I also told him when we got a bleeder, I said, um, you have to just apply pressure. I have no moisture in my body. I have ectodermal dysplasia. I don't sweat. So he had a sheet pan test with uh, uh, electricity to where he could use a cauterizer. And I said, sir, no offense, but I need some salve or something because I'm not grounded. And he says, oh, you'll be fine. And he was in there about it, you know, pretty good depth. And uh, Sparky went spark, and, and I... Uh, 
I, I remember grabbing him by his shirt and uh, told him things and then immediately apologized. And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, well, I, that hurt me. I told you. And he goes, well, let me fix that. And then he did. But communication is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, and being on the find on the internet is helpful. Some is, some is not. But um, it's just a strange uh, situation. I'm glad it didn't go to Mercer because that's just fallacious. Yes, one oh. moment. Yes. <coughs> yes, what you were saying, it's a little bit different. Well, it's a lot different than you, but I've got a lot of survivors who, like one, Chris, who has it, who was infected right up in here, this area, so they had to do skin grafts. So he's very active. He does 5Ks and races all the time, and he posts about it. He'll sweat on this side, but he won't sweat on this side because the, uh, the graft doesn't sweat. The scar tissue graft doesn't sweat. So he's like, no, you know. not. and then another thing you were talking about, things you got to get deal with, you know, the comments, because we've got survivors who've had it on their face, you know, where you can, I, mine, you can't see it. I had to point it out, which I, like I said, I was very lucky. But uh, people have a lot of issues with coping, you know, with the new them and being your own advocate. I'm with you on that. You've got to communicate and be your own advocate, 100%. It, it, it's, it's very crucial. Um, it, it just is. When, when I met Paul Newman, um, well, like I said, we there was one uh, young young girl, probably, I'll just say 11 or 12, at the Bogey Creek Gang, and the parents were all set up for her surgeries. It was the last go around. You know, she's like, in, she's just ready for junior high, I guess. And she really needed the surgeries, uh, uh, facial, uh, nose, uh, some, some things going on there. And she had so many surgeries prior. She said, no, I'm, I'm done. And it hurts. I don't want any more. And then um, they're talking to her, the specialist, the, I mean, the best surgeons on the planet in the country and, and they go well, she really needs it so they came up to me with the parents they said do you think you could you know have a conversation with her and i said of course so we sat down and um i showed her the creases in my skull from a reconstructive surgery you know when i was preemie and I, I told her about my situations and i says i don't like the surgeries you know and she's going yeah i don't either and i go well um I was told that I have to have my nose short and it all opened up in here because I don't breathe enough at night and that's really bad, bad for me. And, and then they're going to close my eye, corners of my eyelids on each eye because they're a little exposed and that causes a yellowing fat deposits and, and, and dryness. And that scares me. And then I also told her that they're going to go in through my cheeks and come up through here tunnels and put a, a bags of uh, blood, sew it to my bone, and put in a powder called hydroxyapatite. And when I add my own blood, it turns into like bone and will knit. And I told her, and I'm I'm scared about that. And I said, so I don't know what to do. And I I've heard about your situation with your with your family and your you know, your surgeries, and you're and you're saying no, but let's do this. If you can help me understand that I'll be okay because it had some of those 
And she sat me down and she literally held my hand and patted it. And, and I'm as really, hey, I'm a professional actor and I was having a tough time keeping it together. And I'm going, yes, yes. And she goes, well, when you get out of the hospital, your face is going to be big and puffy and look like a basketball. And, and then there's going to be times when you want to do something and your face, your face will hurt, and, but, but you'll be okay. And that's what I needed to hear from her. And then I said, okay, um, you still haven't convinced me, but if you have your surgery done and you send me a picture of you at your prom, after everything's all what it's going to be, I'll send you a picture of my face all puffed up to prove to you that I followed your advice. And I thank you for encouraging me to do what was helpful for me, but I was afraid wow. at the time. And it's not always fear. Sometimes it's, I don't want to deal with that pain. It, it's physically, it, it's painful. Talk to Ken Hodder about him being a Bernie in it. I mean, I so come on. <laughs> he's wonderful. We so we really, really connected, and uh, uh, sure as could be, uh, she did that, and I did the same. And when I got uh, back to Arkansas, because I had, a, I, I think I had to go to a, um, Beverly Hills, California, and had the surgery, and then I flew back, and yeah, my face was big and fat and funny, um, but it helped. Uh, the procedure was necessary. So um, it, it, it just should, my, my father was a, a very, very uh, well-known uh, neurologist. Like I said, he was Muhammad Ali's uh, neurologist, or he read a report about him. Um, and I want to misquote anybody. But he believed that if a family member dies and there's doctor bills left over, that the family or estate doesn't have the ability to crush them and sue them for, you know, now you gotta go for bankruptcy. He put it in his will. And he was he was on a, um, a board of reviewers uh, for Los Angeles County and doctors occasionally would be um, summoned in front of this commission board and they would go, board of review, why do you charge this much money for an EEG for instance? And my father's explaining, this guy says, well, I went to college and medical school in six, seven, eight, nine years, and, and I have a mortgage and a car to pay. I, I charge uh, $75. My father goes, great. How long have you been doing this? Well, since I got out of med school, almost four years now. Okay. Okay. Uh, how many have you read? And the guy goes, uh, hundreds. And my dad goes, uh, I've been doing it for 35 years and I've read half a million and I only charge $25. How does your expertise justify to a com in comparison? And it, it wasn't a, 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 a monetary issue. The conversation was about ethics. Right. And and that's where I, I tip my hat. When I do these court conventions and film conventions, so the most incredibly decked out people at, at horror conventions. I mean, some have spent a fortune, some made themselves. So that it, it, it's wonderful, it's theater. And you go, so what do you do when you're not at a show dressed up like uh, whatever? Oh, I, I'm a, a clinical psychologist or, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, smart people, I'm talking about smart people, but they all have hearts of gold. There's no judging, you, and, and you can see people with severe disabilities. There's a gentleman that I see at some shows. He has no legs. 
probably in the 60s and he books around on a, on a skateboard. There, you'll see many, many, uh, just, just go start going to some horror conventions and, and just be with the family because that's really how it is. You can go to a sports convention or other venues, and I, and I had that, but I'm, yeah, yeah, fine, whatever. But if you want a real grounded uh, situation, I recommend them. I recommend them. Well, the horror convention, the horror, fa that whole community is like a family. I mean, uh, my very first yeah. uh, uh, guest on this show last year happens to be, well, he's a friend now, he's a friend of yours, is Dave Sheridan. Oh, Dave's great. Dave is. He is. Uh, I did. I missed the chance to meet him. He was here in my hometown helping. He's producing a, a local horror film here. Uh, and I missed you in Lexington because I, I, I couldn't come to Lexington. I'm in Kentucky. And, and you were up there with Dave and Kane. Um, you guys just got some severe weather, I believe. Yeah, we've had some pretty bad stuff come through. Louisville got hit the worst this time. Yeah, that's right, Louisville. Louisville. I'm about an hour and a half west of Louisville. True. I love that area. Good people. I am near Evansville. I'm across the street from Evansville. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Across been to both places. I well, figured you uh, had. <laughs> I had to. Yeah, it's one of the one of the joys of our traveling uh, about is the meeting um, well locations and also people. So how does how is the uh, um, organization continuing as far as uh, awareness, support, and uh, uh, we well, operate first like a resource library of notes, references of other cases so people can kind of garner some our, information. Well, on our website, we have uh, a pamphlet that can be printed out or if anybody wants any that don't, can't print it out, just contact me, you know, and I'll mail it to them as many as they want. But also on there, we've got a a section that is survivor stories. Well, not even just survivors, because um, I don't want people to misunderstand. You usually, there's usually one out of four people die who get NF. So it's not, you know, I think there's about 200,000 people, Americans die from it a year. And so, but we've got survivor stories. We've got uh, bereaved stories, uh, loved ones. And, um, I'm actually working on putting a book together of stories that people have submitted to me to share. And uh, we're fixing to start working with, a, well, like I said, we have one of the best doctors. We're going to get a couple more and we're going to come up with a uh, NF protocol for, for doctors if they suspect it to start taking steps immediately. Because like I said, it's, it's, it spreads like cancer, but it spreads aggressively. Like, like I said, you have hours or days to get treated. I, uh, I have heard such, uh, I have family members uh, who are nurses and uh, um, uh, nurse practitioners and mm, my immediate family and my extended family. Anyway, uh, uh, yes, uh, um, when it's aggressive, um, um, you, got three, you got 72 hours <laughs> to, get, yes. to get back, uh, basically, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, actually, I, I, I don't know if you ever heard of a girl a few years ago named Amy Copeland. Uh, she luckily she got thrusted into major news because she developed necrotizing fasciitis from just a she was on a small backyard homemade uh, zip line. You know, didn't go very far, about twenty feet. You know, barely off the ground. But when she fell, she fell into a creek. 
Well, from that, she developed necrotizing fasciitis. She's a quadruple amputee. Yeah. Wow. But this girl, this girl, I mean, she went on to complete her education. She is a, has her master's in psychotherapy. She has her own uh, nonprofit for dis- people with disabilities, not in that, but people with disabilities. Right. And uh, I mean, this girl, she's so kind because, you know, with NF, a lot of psychological, it has a lot of psychological impact on you. And she, she volunteered that anybody in the state that she lives in, which is Georgia, that needed treatment, she would treat them for free from NF patients. Well, what is the uh, the website? Well, you're on the website. <laughs> my website, so, mine is www.neckfasc.org. N-E-C-F-A-S-C.org. Uh, so, you, can, you can learn about um, us. You can learn about our doctor. You can learn about NF. Uh, the sh- we, I have this show, but then I have another show. This is going to be on called The Steep, which is just about NF or medical situations where I've talk to doctors and NF survivors and family loved ones. So, yeah, I mean, we're trying to do our best to get spread awareness to it. Well, I just uh, can't agree with you more, Tim. I think it's just uh, admirable, obviously. And if everybody, uh, you know, took a step forward, there would be advanced. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put that on the wall. No. Uh, well, thank you very much for inviting me on today. And I, uh, I salute you. It's so very important to let people know that we're all humans and uh, what matters is, uh, you know, what's inside. So I wish you the very best and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Mr. Barry. Michael, you have a good afternoon. Thank you for being on the show, sir. Awesome. Take care, Tim. You too, sir. Have a good night. I'd like to thank Michael Perryman for being here today and talking with us. I would like to thank the Necrotizing Fasciitis Foundation for sponsoring our show. Uh, if you want to learn more about necrotizing fasciitis, please visit www.necfasci.org. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel for more upcoming episodes. And remember, you can find Michael's books, uh, book, It's All Good, a Michael Perryman memoir, in my own words, at most bookstores and on Amazon. Please, everyone, have a great day and be kind to one another. Talk to you soon.